for my beautiful family, my son. Uh, I know that if no one listens to me, he, he's going to listen to me today. I'm, I know that he's, he's going to support me. So, uh, But uh, <clears throat> it's, just, it's just great to be in the house of the Lord today. I, I'm just glad I get to be the messenger here today. I, I'm glad that I feel that what God has put in my spirit to speak about is what God wants to say. And I hope today that somebody would just listen and like I'm going to listen to what God is going to say and speak to us and do in this church today. Uh, without any further ado, let's just go ahead and let's jump into the Word of God. Uh, how many is excited for the Word of God? Amen. I, I'm thankful for the Word of God in my life. I'm thankful that I can pull up my phone, pull out Apple Podcasts, and I can listen to churches all across the nation where there's an abundance of Word in this generation. Um. But if you would, would you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22. I've got to read 10 verses there, then I'm going to jump ahead a few chapters and read a verse there. So um, <clears throat> when you get that, give me an amen, and we're going to, get, we're going to kick this thing off today. I'm, I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do. Okay. <clears throat> when you get there, give me an amen. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, it begins and says, And he arose that night and took his two wives, he being Jacob, his two female servants. Oh, I'm actually reading from the NKJV. I hope that's okay. Uh, and his eleven sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and set over them, set over, sent over what he had. I, I could not get that out for some reason. Somebody say, Lord, help him. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place, the name of the place, Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Pen. Penuel or Penile, uh, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Now, don't let the way I read that hinder what God's going to do in this place today. I know I kind of botched that, but we're going to move on to Genesis chapter 47, verse 29. This is the KJV. I have no idea how I got that messed up copy and pasting. But actually, I should have just read it right in my Bible. I had it wide open. I don't know. But Genesis chapter 47, verse 29, it says, And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. If, like we just read, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph. Jacob had many sons, but he dearly loved his son Joseph. And said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Somebody say thigh. And deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. 
Now, if you would, would you lift up your hands and ask the Lord to speak to us today? I know His presence is already in this building. Lord, we ask right now, God, that you would have your way in this service. Lord, you're greater than we are. Lord, you're stronger than we are. Lord, we know that there is a change in the spirit of this church. That there is a change in your spirit happening right now, God. That you're moving and drawing closer to us today. And you're asking just a few things from us, God. Help us be eager to answer what you are asking from us. What you're calling us to sacrifice, God. Help us to be eager to receive the blessings that you have for this church. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, let your word speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many are going to help me preach today? Amen. Man, you may be seated. Well, Jacob, he was a mild man dwelling in tents. That's how the Bible describes him after he was born from Isaac and Rebekah. It just says Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Someone say he was a mama's boy. Now, as much as I love my son, he will no doubt more than likely be a mama's boy because mama's got some things that I can't give him naturally. So he loves his mama, and I'm thankful that he's got a very good mama, and I love her too. But somebody look at your neighbor and say, you dirty twint, you dirty, you dirty tent dweller. You can stutter as many times as I did. That's fine. It's okay. You can mock me. You can stutter as many times as I did. But look at your neighbor and say, you, you tent dweller. I don't know why I can't get that out for some reason. <laughs> I stutter every time I try to say that. But Isaac and Rebecca had twins. Like we know, one was Esau and one was Jacob. Isaac loved Esau because of the tasty game that Esau brought to the table because Esau was a man of the field. The name Esau means man of the field. He was a skilled hunter and trapper. But Rebekah loved Jacob. He was a mama's boy. She, the younger was Jacob, which she knew would rule the older because God spoke to her when she had them in her womb that there were two nations in her belly and the younger would rule the older. So Rebekah knew a prophecy from the beginning. And in my life, I kind of had the same prophecy too. I, I kind of always knew the younger would rule the older. Uh, do I got any youngest in here that think they're better than any older siblings that you may have? There we go. I knew somebody would. From the time of birth, I believe it, it was an unspoken competition between me and my older sister. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know how, but I was going to get my license first. I didn't know how, but I was going to graduate high school first. I was, I was going to do everything first because that was the competition I had. That was my mentality. The younger was going to be greater than the older. That was my goal from a kid. I always had to run faster than she did. I always had to eat faster than she did. It was a competition that we had, uh, an unannounced rivalry that was going on in our home that I had with my sister. And, you know... It happened to be one day that my sister come home from a long day in the field and she was starving and it was me at the kitchen table with a, a nice bowl of red pottage. And, uh, you know, I, I was saying to her, I said, come in, eat this stew and sell me your birthright. You know, you know, that's not actually how it went. But that story may sound familiar because that's the story of Jacob and Esau. One day Esau had been out in the field. He was hunting and he began to grow tired and he was starving and he come in and Jacob had exactly what he was looking for. And Esau in that moment was willing to give up anything he could get to get what Jacob had to offer. 
I, any time that we were playing a game, I wanted to win whatever game we were playing, no matter what the cost. Jacob wanted to be blessed over Esau. And my story, it sounds familiar because it didn't happen to me. It happened to Jacob and Esau. Uh, the two twins born of Isaac and Rebekah. Esau, the oldest, starving, and Jacob, the younger, with the momentary solution. The momentary solution. Let me say this, church. We have, we have got to stop being sellouts to momentary solutions. Uh, young people, we've got to quit selling out to a single moment of boredom. Church, we've got to quit selling out to a single moment of temptation. When, when we say yes to a barrage of sinful thoughts, it's not just a solution to boredom. It's not just a solution to a momentary lapse of judgment or unguarded hunger. It's a heaven or hell issue when we choose the here and now over the eternal. And I know I, I'm not going to get a lot of amens out of that, but that's where we are in this generation. We get in moments of temptation and say, look, I'm going to die right here if I do not get my next fix. I'm going to die right here if I don't get another of that thing that I'm addicted to. I'm going to die right here if I don't get to go out and hang out with my friends. My social status is going to perish right here if I don't go out and participate in what they're participating in. That addiction is going to kill me right now if I don't satisfy my inner hunger. At this moment, I'm going to die. And just like the devil, he's always got the answer to your problem. I'm going to preach here today. It's just like the devil. He's always got that momentary solution to your eternal problem. Amen. You can think that you can fix it one more time. And you're going to have enough power the next time. But let me tell you what. We've got to stop selling out to momentary solutions. We've got to be careful what we speak in desperation, what we speak in moments of frustration. It was Saul who in a moment of desperation for glory built an altar without the prophet, without the blessing. And two verses later, when he called on the Lord for direction, God answered him not. 1 Samuel chapter 14 beginning in verse 34. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say unto them, Bring me hither every man his ox and every man his sheep and slay them here and eat and sin not against the Lord in eating with the blood. And all the people brought every man his ox with him that night and slew him there. I'm getting there. And Saul built an altar unto the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. And Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and spoil them until morning light, and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Then the priest said, Let us draw near hither unto God. It seemed to me that in this entire equation, Saul had forgotten what an altar being built is truly about. It's about drawing and to God. The priest reminded him to draw near hither unto God and Saul after he had built an altar, after he had sacrificed, then asked counsel. He said, God, should I go down after the Philistines? After I've already assumed that that would be the next best action for me, I'm going to go ahead and just make sure we're on the same page. And he says, wilt thou deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he answered him not that day. 
Make sure when you build altars, it's desperations for God's will and it's approved by God's man. Make sure that when you say yes, it's your best yes. When you say yes, make sure you know what you're agreeing to. Esau, when that stew is appetizing, you got to know what you're giving away. You got to know what you're saying yes to. Saul, when you leave things alive in your life, when that God's called you to kill, like He called him to kill the Amalekites, you've got to understand what you've let live. What happens when we disobey God for momentary pleasure? What happens is Esau failed in misguided hunger, but Saul failed in misguided mercy. Saul was merciful to what needed to die. It was the prophet who had to clean up his mess. And I imagine 1 Samuel 15, 32-35, it says, Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the son of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed a gag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to, to Ramah. And Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. It's the ministry in your life that are left to mourn when we fall to sin. I imagine as Samuel, who believed in Saul, stood there in front of the host of Israel and slashed Agag into pieces. He was saying, oh Saul, you had so much potential. You only had to kill one more. It was only a few more sheep. It was only a few more oxen. God asked you to kill them all, but you left one. And now I, the prophet, I've got to come and clean up your mess and no more. Is God going to speak to me about you? The Lord's repented that he ever made you king. It's the ministry of your life that have to clean up our bad decisions. I imagine the pain in Esau's voice in Genesis chapter 27 verse 34 when he realized he's lost his blessing. And, and when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O Father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and have taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob, for he hath supplanted, supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. And he cried, and he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? It was in a moment of weakness that uh, Esau will remember forever that will stain an entire nation, the Edomites, that will change just a humble man of the field to a name that will remind him forever of the red stew that stole his birthright from him. And that would be changing his name from Esau to Edom, which means red. Red like the stew that Jacob made. Red uh, like the stew that Jacob uh, used to steal Esau's birthright. And it was in Genesis 25 verse 34 it says, And Jacob 
gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Despised means to feel contempt or deep repugnance for. Now, I despise it when the dictionary uses words I don't understand to explain other words I don't understand. So I had to look up repugnance. And repugnance is intense disgust and then it all made sense because after we've realized we sin we get that feeling of repugnance you get that feeling of intense disgust I can't believe I, I let myself do that again I can't believe I sold my birthright for a pot of stew sin will leave us in disgust and Esau was disgusted at his sellout to a momentary solution. This world will tell you it feels good, that it tastes good, that it'll make you feel good, that it's going to make you a man, that it's going to make you a woman, but after it's all over, you're left with an intense disgust. And when we do that, and when we need to make up our minds up now that we aren't moving, that we are not selling our blessings for a moment of pleasure. Uh, because when we do, it creates a generational disability. Today I'm going to be speaking on the topic of a generational disability. It makes Esau into Edom, a man of the field into red, remembered for his birthright sold for the red stew. You have a birthright today, church. Every single person in this room, you have a birthright. Jesus Christ come down in the flesh and he bled red blood on the cross so you could have a birthright. He died so when you come crying out of your mother's womb, you ain't got to be a deceiver. You don't have to be a deceiver to get the blessing. You've not got to put on hair and fake your voice and go to your father and say, bless me, because your father already blessed you. He gave it to you on Calvary. Amen. Do not sell that birthright. God believes in you. He gave you a birthright. There is greatness in you. There is a birthright of God's blessing over your life. There is anointing. And it doesn't matter if you're the youngest or the oldest. You ain't got to ask. You ain't got to make some kind of stew. You ain't got to be able to cook. God died and he gave it to you. I know I preached hard on sin, but I'm preaching on the stuff you can get behind. Hallelujah. You've got a birthright. You've got greatness. Hallelujah. Why don't you praise God for the birthright? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, have your way. Come on. Esau, do you really want to be remembered for that thing that's going to put you in the grave? If you don't stop it, that's going to end your life prematurely. If you keep messing around with those things, come on. Your age doesn't support that habit. The disease going around the world does not support your habits. The generation we live in, lacing drugs, lacing alcohol, it does not support those habits. There has got to be a moment when you decide uh, that you're not going to sell this birthright uh, for a moment of pleasure. 
It was because Esau sold his birthright. He created a generational disability. He labeled an entire generation after his mistake. Edom, the Edomites, the selling of his birthright. Now let's talk about another nation from whole Rebekah's womb. Jacob. Enough of Esau. We're talking about Jacob. It's Jacob that is the meat of this message. After the deception of Isaac, uh, where he blessed, uh, Jacob disguised as Esau. Jacob, uh, he works for Laban. Uh, he meets Rachel, his love. Uh, and Leah, he didn't love so much. But now, Jacob is famous for his 12 sons, uh, who will become the 12 tribes of Israel and his one daughter, Dinah. Jacob was returning to the land of his fathers, as we find him in our text and it was in this moment where he sent his family, his servants, all his goods across the brook. And he stayed. It was in that moment when he found some alone time that there was a man there. Who, the Bible says man, but it is in, can be interpreted as an angel. Where he had a wrestling match with an angel. Jacob, once he was willing to send forth his family... In a moment where he got alone, he wrestled with the supernatural. Yes, your family is important. Yes, your job, your finances are important. But there are things God can only do in private. When we set time alone with him, he can change us from Jacob to Israel. This is a representation of the divine change that we undergo when we come to God. It's a representation of you can go from the old man and be born again of the water and of the spirit baptized in Jesus' name and become a new man. And that happens on the inside when you make up your mind huh, that I'm not going to let this thing go. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit wrestling until I get a blessing. There's something in the scripture here that resounds in my spirit. And I will believe resounds in the spirit of this church. And it is when it says, For you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. That resounds in my spirit because it has been a struggle. The red stew, it's looked pretty tempting at times. Temptation at moments has got the best of me. Momentary boredom beat me. I've wrestled with people. I've wrestled with opinions and judgment. I've wrestled with the call of God. I've wrestled with God's will. But I have prevailed. You have prevailed because you're here today. Sin could not keep you home. Depression took a back seat. Sickness took the back seat. You have prevailed. You're struggled, but you're here. You've passed the test, but you didn't get an A. You struggled, but you're here. 
and you're going to prevail because you're here. You just got to keep wrestling. You got to keep fighting because it's, there's a point where you're going to realize that you're not going to win. And that's when God's going to step in and say, okay, no longer are you Jacob, but you are Israel. For you have struggled, you have fought, but you would not let go. And you have prevailed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You turned a place of isolation huh, into the place of penile. Huh. Hallelujah. You turned a place uh, where the enemy thought you were going to call it quits uh, into uh, a place uh, where you met God uh, face to face. Amen. You wrestled and you didn't give up. Uh, and your life was preserved because of your persistence. This is for someone here today. God is about to change some things in your life. And it may have to create a generation. Just as Jacob was touched in the hollow of his thigh, God has touched the hollow of some thighs in this room. You will not be able to go and do the same things you did before. Oh, somebody ought to feel this. Somebody ought to get this. There is a generational change. God is streaking some things in your world. We are just one sacrifice away from seeing God blow the roof off this place. We are one death away, not a physical death, but a spiritual death. Where somebody chooses God over this God-forsaken life. Come on, somebody. You are one moment of beating temptation away from the greatest revival. Nobody. Y'all aren't excited about that. I might as well quit. I might as well give up. Because this is what God is saying. You're one sacrifice. You're one kicking the habit away from a great revival. Come on, Jacob. You're one prayer session away from becoming Israel. Esau, you better hear me. Esau, you better hear me today. You're one red stew away from becoming Edom. And you're going to put an entire generation under the name of your mistakes. You're going to put an entire lineage called to be a nation under your mistakes. It says, Genesis 47 verse 29, it says, In the time do nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. You see, there are 
Some things happened and Jacob ended up in Goshen in the land of Egypt. He was there under the protection of the Lord from the famine that accelerated Joseph, his son, into power. In Egypt, this is a recap, and it says Joseph was the youngest son and most beloved of Jacob. Joseph was sold into slavery, but it was the favor of the Lord that saved him in Egypt. It was the favor of the Lord that reunited Jacob and his beloved son Joseph and kept them in Egypt under the protection of God and in the wealth of Pharaoh. Jacob was 147 years old, and the time drew nigh that he would die. Those 140 years spent in the promised land of Canaan tortured him as he had to spend the remainder of his life in Egypt. But it was in an intimate moment where Israel calls upon Joseph. He calls to him and he says, Son, if I mean anything to you, Son, if you love me, Son, if... If I've been a good father, would you please do one thing for me? I want you, son, I want you to come. I want you to put your hand under my thigh. Now, this is going to make sense in a moment, but it sounds kind of weird right now. He says, I want you to put your hand under my thigh. And he says, please deal kindly and truly with me, that thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in the burying place of my fathers. You see... This generation is not meant to be buried in this world. This generation is not meant to be buried in Egypt. You see, putting the hand under the thigh was a promise. It was an intimate promise from generation to generation. Excuse me, I'm going to be a little blunt for a second, but they believed that the thigh was the organ of procreation. And if you don't know what that means, it was close to the reproductive organs that people have. And it was from the productive organs of Isaac that Jacob was born. And it's a generation to generation promise. And Israel was asking, he was asking Joseph, he was saying, put your hand under my thigh. He, he was saying, son, deal kindly with me. Promise me, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear to me that you're going to bury me where my fathers were buried. But Jacob's thigh, Israel's thigh, was not normal. The limp he had originated from the sinew that shrank in his thigh. His fight alone with the angel that changed his name. Why did the angel touch all places of his body? Why did he touch his thigh? Why did he shrink the sinew in his thigh? Why? I I believe that it is because of what I said earlier, that the thigh was the organ of procreation. He was changing something in his lineage. He was being only what God can do and be, and he was seeing into the future. Some of you are here today because God is looking into the future for this city. He is looking into the future of Marion, Kentucky. He's looking into the future of some of your lives. And he is telling you, he is saying uh, that there is a promise that can be made between me and you today uh, where you can come uh, and you uh, can reach under my thigh uh, and you can promise me uh, from generation to generation uh, and I will come through uh, with my promise. 
<laughs> Jacob could have been like Esau, known for his mistakes as Edom. And Jacob, the deceiver, but there was a change and a transformation from Jacob into Israel. Today you can make the same commitment. You do not have to be buried uh, in Egypt uh, in a strange land. There is a place that God has promised uh, where those before us have gone. uh, Where you can be buried. And I'm not talking about death. I'm talking about being buried. I'm talking about uh, going and burying yourself uh, in the word of God. I'm talking about going and burying yourself in the Spirit. There is a promise you can make with God. That's from generation to generation. If you bury, you are not called to bury yourself in this world. That addiction, it's not supposed to bury you. It's not God's will for you to be buried in this world, but for you to bury yourself in His Spirit. Hallelujah. Where your fathers were buried isn't where you're to be buried. And I'm not speaking of the fathers of Israel or Jacob. I'm speaking of your fathers. What killed your family? The cancer that took your family's life. The genetic diseases that stole the years off the clock of your mother and father. It's not how you're supposed to be buried. That generational disability is not supposed to kill you. That disease, uh, that addiction uh, that you feel like is buried in your bones uh, is not the thing that's supposed to take you out. Uh, Come on, Esau. uh, You don't have to be Edom. uh, You don't have to be known forever uh, for that mistake you made. Uh, It doesn't have to put you in the grave, but it can. It can. There is an urgency in the Spirit of God for something to change in the hearts of the people in this church. It's not just for you. It's for me too. There is a shift that Brother White talked about in this church where some things have to be finalized. You've got to finalize some addictions. You have to finalize some relationships. There are some things you have to disregard in your life. And if not, you are headed down the generation to eat them with a generational disability. It's going to take an intimate promise. You're going to have to get intimate with God. You're going to have to come to God. And you're going to have to grab hold under His thigh. Just like like Joseph did to his father. And you're going to have to promise Him a promise of all promises. That only between a father and a child can make. And have to let God change some things in your world. If I could get some music please. What was going on? Yes. Uh, I hope somebody's getting this today. Uh, I hope somebody is. Amen. It's helping me. Hallelujah. Why don't we praise God right now? Why don't we pray right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you. I praise you, God. I'm not satisfied uh, with just another simple church service. You cannot be satisfied uh, with praying like you always pray. 
if you do not get busy God will leave you with that generational disability and he will move on to someone like Jacob yeah they deceived a few people but they didn't sell the birthright for a pot of stew Come on, I don't know if I'm making sense today. I don't know if I'm striking every chord on your necessary list to respond to the preach word. I may have not told enough stories to make you cry. I may have spoke to something you're dealing with, but God is calling for a moment where you're going to come and promise you. today. Pray Esau before you become evil. And no matter how good it is, no matter how nice it looks, it doesn't matter. If you end up in hell, it won't matter. It won't matter, church. It won't matter what kind of person we have to go through, what kind of Because there is a heaven for us. There is a place, there is a promise that God made when we grabbed hold of our thoughts and he told us, he said, I have a place for you. I have not left you comfortless. Come to his spirit today. Come to the throne to the Oh, 